to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. Welcome to September. Welcome. End of the year. Yep. Almost. No. Oh my gosh, Jane, what are you doing? It's almost Christmas. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a crazy year and it's like, I don't know, time seems to be strange this year it is it feels like oh it'll be over by the end of the year but we're almost at the end of the year and it's nothing's over really (laughs) and I'm just waiting for the sad news that the Christmas pageant is going to be cancelled but surely it will be you go every year no but I go to the Blackwood one every year and I'm positive that that will be cancelled yeah and I'm sure I don't know how the big one couldn't be yeah that's desperately sad yeah my um brett has his 50th birthday at the end of the year and his best friend lives in melbourne and the one thing he said to me was that he he wanted his friend steve to come and yeah i'm thinking it's not gonna happen it's really not Mm. we've got lots of 40ths in our friendship circle this year and not many parties they're all (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so this month we talked uh, we read the memory police by yoko ogawa and we're just going to jump in and start talking about it let's do it you're going to read the little blurb yeah i'll read the blurb i've got a little bit about yoko oh great yeah um and a little bit about the book and then we'll jump in yeah sounds good um to the people on the island a disappeared thing no longer has any meaning It can be burned in the garden, thrown in the river or handed over to the memory police. Soon enough, the island forgets it ever existed. When a young novelist discovers that her editor is in danger of being taken away by the memory police, she desperately wants to save him. For some reason, he doesn't forget, and it's all becoming increasingly difficult for him to hide his memories. Who knows what will vanish next? The Memory Police is a beautiful, haunting and provocative dystopia about the power of memory and the trauma of loss from one of Japan's greatest writers. Mm. Um, so this was um, published in English in uh, just in August this year. Um, was it was this? I thought it was last year. Oh, was it? I think this, oh, I, I thought it was 2019. Mm. Oh, yeah, it would be because it's been, num- yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, but this was actually written in 1994. Yeah, I didn't realise that till after, Me but it makes either. sense. Me either. Yeah. Uh, written in 1994 and just trans- translated for the first time to English by Stephen Snyder. And it sounds like this Stephen Snyder translates most of her novels by the sound of it. Mm. Um, uh, Yoko has published more than 50 works of fiction and non-fiction since about 1988. Um, she's had work appear in The New Yorker, A Public Space, um, Zoetrope, um, and she has won every single major Japanese literary award mm. that is out there. Right. So Heavy she, hitter. Yeah. Mm. Um, have you read any of her I have books? not. This is the first one. No, me either. And it was, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, so this was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize for this year. Yeah. Um, it didn't win? No, it didn't. No. No, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's been called an enthralling Orwellian novel yeah. about the terrors of state surveillance. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's been marketed, I guess, as an Orwellian dystopian spec fic kind of a novel. Yeah. So one of the first things that we know about um, the writer, because she's not, she doesn't have a name, um, but her mother is someone who remembers the disappeared items. Um, and she keeps them in a cabinet 
uh, in the basement. And every so often she pulls things out um, and shows them to her daughter who is confused Mm. and doesn't really understand what they are but her mother they obviously mean a great Mm. deal to her mother and us the reader at this point don't really understand fully because this happens right at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. book doesn't it so we don't particularly understand yet Mm. um we learn that the the memory police come for her mother and soon after her deceased body is delivered back to the family with this kind of vague explanation that i think was it a heart attack did they say uh, heart failure heart, yeah i think which same thing so, but yeah, yeah yeah um but most people seem to passively accept the disappearances mm. um without any fuss including um the writer Um, And it's interesting how people um, will lose their jobs. For example, there's a man who is a hat maker and then he needs to find a new job when hats disappear. Yeah. And (laughs) I I guess it's important to point out these are mundane things and there's no announcement as such. It just you wake up in the morning and you realise the the community realise something is missing. They don't know what and they're kind of work it out slowly over the morning so it might be um roses disappear Mm. or um ribbons Mm. or little things that people kind of say oh and on they go i liked her descriptions of how she would wake up and it would just somehow there was a feeling that because it wasn't every day no um but yeah, she would wake up with this feeling that something was gone. And I also really loved, even though it was, it seems incredibly sad, these things mm. disappear, but the description of the roses, all the petals in the river yeah. and how the river turned into this like rushing um, stream of colour with yeah. all the rose petals seemed um, gorgeous. There to, was beauty in that, mm, wasn't there? There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, and then the writer herself um, becomes a typist because novels disappear. Mm-hmm. So she too um, loses her job. And then there is an interesting story within the story yeah. because you um, get snippets of the short story that the writer herself is writing before um, novels disappear about a typing student and her abusive or who becomes an abusive um, teacher. Um And then, but once novels disappear, she struggles to continue writing because novels don't mean anything anymore to her. She doesn't understand the point anymore of making. And it's interesting that there's a conversation about novels and how people, even though they disappeared the week before, people have already forgotten. They Mm. forget by the end of the day what it was um, that was gone even. Mm. And she, she, there was a little conversation in there after the novels disappear about how people would just make things up and they were, they were lies and people were okay with that. And yeah. They would tell lies, um, and turn them into a book, which, you know, she's obviously <laughs> talking about fiction and, and stories. Um, and that was quite sad yeah wasn't it and when they burn the library down i know yeah the book i mean book burning is such a um significant um what's the word um imagery isn't Mm. it it's a very social yeah it's an imagery over over history book Mm. burning is uh signifies you know lots of totalitarian regimes and you know anti um art anti-intellectualism all of those things so book burning is very uh, by serial almost, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, it provokes that sort of reaction yeah. in you. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a friend of the family who's referred to as the old man and, um, she, he helps the writer considerably after both her parents are gone. Cause eventually her dad, we don't hear much about her dad, but he no. dies. And so she's on her own. Um, and she has a very strong connection to her editor who's called, um, simply R yeah. and R is another person who is able to remember the disappeared things and, because of that, he's threatened by the memory police. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, she knows what happened to her mother. So she's, yeah. um, has a re reason to be concerned about R. Yeah. There's some vague, um, indication that the memory police are getting close to being able to genetically work that's out right. who can remember and who can't. Um, and so that's, that's the sort of looming threat through most of the book that they're very close to genetically understanding who and being able to just pick them out of the crowd almost. Yeah, like... With their um, genes. Yeah, genes, the saliva. They can get yeah. their saliva off of a cup or something. And That's then right. somehow run it through something and determine, mm. yeah. So he's threatened. And so um, with the help of the old man, she builds a hidden room in her house um, that... Um, that can hide R and then the old man also helps to secretly get messages between R and his wife because his yeah. wife is pregnant when mm. R goes into hiding yeah. um, and, and eventually has his baby. And the threat of the memory police is always there. Mm. And at one point they do come to her home. Yes. And now I can't remember why. Uh, I, I don't think the reason why they chose her house was clear. But oh, I they think they found, were just going yeah, through, yeah. They found a date book because it's just after calendars disappeared. Right. And they went through all her things and they found a, a date book in her handbag. Right. And was, you know, what's this? Why have you got this? This has disappeared now. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, I think some other houses on the street were raided and there was some people in hiding in the house next door. That's right. And so she was, was surprised that yeah. it wasn't just her. There were other people that were hiding. That's right. Um, people who could remember. Um, and eventually she begins a romantic relationship with R, mm -hmm. um, even though he's married. And then there is an earthquake and the old man who lives on his boat, he used to be a ferry driver until the ferries disappeared. Yeah. Although... It's unclear then how he's able to continue living on his boat, but he certainly can't drive yes, it. That's right. Um, and um, so his boat is destroyed and he's hurt. So then mm -hmm. the uh, writer moves him into the home with her as well. And I kind of had a nice feeling when it was yeah. the three of them living there. Yeah, like, yeah. this is nice now. Nice little... <laughs> formed family yeah and the the old man was really useful and helpful to her he did lots of odd jobs and did the shopping and yeah and she because she was now out of the house all the time with her job as a typist mm. um mm. so yeah that kind of worked out um well for a while um and then they discover that the the writer's mother was a sculptor mm. and she would they um, after the earthquake, one of the sculptures, I think, um, is damaged or a couple of them yeah. are damaged and they realize that they hide some of these um, things that used to be stored yeah. in the cabinet that she would, mm. um, sh her mother would show to her. 
And then she remembers that in um, her mom, her mother had like a cabin sort of studio where she used to work. And she thinks that some of the sculptures might be there as well. So she goes with the old man to this cabin. They have to walk and they have to take a train and yeah. it's quite a journey. Yeah. And they go and pack their bags, all the bags. They, I think they've got two backpacks and a suitcase mm. and they fill them all with these sculptures um, to take them back to mm. the home. And that were hiding the disappeared things. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then they do that. And on their way back, um, the memory police are stopping all the people that are getting on the train and searching them. And so they become quite um, nervous and yeah. concerned that something's going to happen to them. But then in the end, they're mostly just checking their paperwork. And, um, and then um, somebody... Uh, complains that they're uh, the chef for the memory police yeah. and they're not going to have if they don't let the train go the yeah. memory police aren't going to have anything to eat and it's not going to be very happy so anyway they eventually let them on the train and they get yeah. home with all the sculptures and then open them up to reveal all different all sorts of things yeah, yeah different things things there was um it's interesting to hear her describe these things that you don't know what they are at first like she said it was something that was the size of a candy bar and it was silver and it had holes in it and eventually you realize it's a harmonica yeah um yeah so that was and the descriptions of these items but then also the um lack of understanding of why you would have these like why would you play Mm. this music like what does that mean why would you do that Mm -hmm. it's the same with the novel why would after they've disappeared, they don't understand what the point what the of point, them yeah, was. Yeah, they've forgotten the point of What's them. What's the point of stories? They're just lies, <laughs> you know. That's that's the um, mentality. Yeah. 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 Um, and then one day the old man dies mm-hmm. and um, she is extremely distraught. Um, yeah, because when her mother dies, it doesn't happen in real time for us. It's just something yeah. that she's looking back on. But when the old man dies, she's really um, quite distraught and is um, goes to R mm. really for comfort. Yeah. Um, and he's um, really the only one um, left for her. Uh, and the dog. She cause yeah. she rescues a dog from one of the families that um, that the memory police took away. Yeah. Um, and the dog's name is Dawn. And I kept worrying about that dog. <laughs> oh, you know me. I, yeah. I was like, oh, oh God, something's, something's going to happen to the dog. dog. <laughs> I don't want to cry. I know. <laughs> um, and then I really, um, I found this part, because some of the descriptions of this book um, um, even call it a horror or thriller yes, yes which I didn't think that it was no. but the scene when she wakes up one morning and she says there's something weird attached to my body yeah and I don't know what it is yeah I found that like it was it disturbing, was disturbing. Yeah. yeah it was very disturbing I and I yeah. I liked that but what ha- what's happened is that people's left legs have disappeared yeah. But they're still on their body. They just no longer understand what it is. Yeah, and what's the point? And do we cut them off? And yeah, are we supposed to burn them? Yeah, because all the other things up until that point were inanimate objects, really. That you, you know, could you'd get throw rid them of. in the incinerator and you'd burn them or throw them in the sea or mm. whatever. Um, and they were thinking, are the memory police? Do we need to cut? Are they going to come and take our legs away? Mm. 
you know, and then there's people walking around. So it's clearly a um, way to distinguish. And then the the memory police's um, abductions, I guess, of the people who could remember ramped up because, of course, people who remember (laughs) have got their leg and they're not being walking strangely and falling over in the street because people still went about their days. It was That's the, right. That was the strange. It was really strange and it was hard to People were still shopping and going to their jobs and but they, they had stumbling around. Yeah, and it was apparently difficult to fake the fact yes. that you couldn't remember your leg anymore. Yeah. yeah. And there was, a, there was quite a bit about, you know, she would spend time with R and he would be touching her leg. Yeah. And she's confused because... It feels like nothing. Mm. There's no feel, and he's like, "Well, I'm stroking your your calf right now." Mm. And she's like, "It's nothing. Mm-hmm. It means nothing to me. You doing that?" <laughs> yeah, and it was really interesting how she went to put her pants on. Yeah, and she put her right leg in, and then it was really funny how she was like, "Oh," and then I noticed that there was this other part of the pants that exactly matched the other yeah. thing on my body. So I figured I might as well put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then quickly after that, you know, right arms went, were disappeared and um, all sorts of body parts. And then it kind of, I mean, you described the ending. Yeah. um, Yeah. So, yeah, like Jane said, eventually all the different body parts go until all that's left is, and she describes how she um, has more and more difficulty getting down because the hidden room is, is under a, she has to pull back the rug and open a trap door and go down yeah. into this hidden it's between room. the first and second floor of the house. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, as her body parts <laughs> start disappearing, it mm. becomes more and more difficult for her to get down um, into that hidden room, and eventually, she just kind of falls into it and mm. R catches her. Yeah, but then she describes how everything, all the body parts disappear and now it's just her voice. Yes. And her voice can just drift down into the space. That's right. Yeah. And, and then... Yeah. There's no, she's got no existence other than this this voice and that's when R takes the... Not the chance, but he decides to write, well, I'm going to go out and see what's happened. Yeah. And throughout the whole book, she's also writing this novel... As a novelist, and so this this typist story, I found the typist story more disturbing than a lot of the actual book. If yeah, that makes sense. it was very disturbing. So it ended up it was the typing teacher, and then the um, the woman. I guess I don't even think we have names for these people in this fictional book. Um, she's learning how to type, and eventually she develops a relationship with this man, and it looks to be a romantic kind of a story. But then it takes a bit of a, a left turn, doesn't it? Mm. And then it's um, this captive situation where he's, I don't even know how to describe it, the typewriter that she uses has has captured her voice so she can no longer speak. And so there's these interesting parallels through the whole book of what's happening to the narrator mm-hmm. of the book and then what's happening to her character in her book. You know, at the end, there's this, this meeting point, I guess, of the story that she is only a voice left and yes. then her character is disappears into nothing right because she has no voice Mm. so it's this strange little yeah yeah. symbiosis between these two these two characters narratives yeah yeah it was disturbing Mm -hmm. i found that uncomfortable and Mm. disturbing yeah yeah that was that's a good way to describe it yeah so Um, that's the book kind of yeah that's it um 
I found this, I've I read a few articles about how dystopian novels, um, American dystopian novels in particular, are very different to other dystopian novels. And I'm trying to think about all of them. I've read so many of them. Mm. I would say that most of them probably are American. Mm. This was such a um, layered and quiet and gentle dystopian novel. Mm. This is not, this was not frightening and scary and violent at all Mm. but in some ways that made it more um scary Mm -hmm. eerie and creepy yeah that's right yeah um yeah the way um all of um the people just accepted that this was happening mm. uh, yeah made it somehow more disturbing yeah it's not I, – I would say it's not as simple as being just a straight dystopian novel. Lots of people are saying it's Orwellian as well. And mm-hmm. even to me that's – I can see why they're saying that, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a stretch and I'm wondering if that's just a bit of a marketing mm. ploy rather than really looking at the deeper meaning to the book. Yeah. You know, there's the role of art and the environment um, and love and mm. connection and old age. There's mm. all of these layered themes within this book that um, – it's amazing how much is in this book when it's such a um, – it's written so sparingly. Yeah, it's very quiet. It is. It's a very quiet book. And I've written a little bit here and I'll ask you about what you think about this in a minute. But okay. um, the writing's beautiful and it's incredibly descriptive. There's no purple prose in this book, which I know you loathe more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of snow in this book. Um and I felt that reading this book is a lot like the snow. It's quiet, it's extreme, it's gentle, it's beautiful. Um, and I'm wondering if that's a comment from the author, a bit of a parallel maybe, that between the plot and the themes is that that like snow, a dystopian future can be quiet and gentle and pretty, yet at the same time it can still be impacting damaging disastrous scary oh my gosh i love that analogy that was brilliant did you come up with that on your own whoa well you Blown know away. <laughs> absolutely it was fantastic yeah. no i totally didn't but now that you've pointed it out <laughs> definitely i mean snow is that isn't it it can kill people yet it's beautiful yeah yeah you know, it's it's both things and i think that yeah, that kind of encapsulated how I felt about it. Right, yeah. Um, she, she said that she was inspired by Anne Frank um, in writing this book, which you can definitely oh, totally. see. Yeah. I have a quote here from her about that. She said, even as everything in her world was being stolen from her, Anne Frank was able to develop a heart that was so fully human. As I wrote, she was always in the back of my mind. Yeah, you yeah. can really see that, can't you? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that sort of, yeah, fear of being discovered. discovered yeah 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 um it's also um been um compared to fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. um gabriel garcia marquez's 100 years of solitude yes. um and um uh, it reminded me of one of our podcast oh. books do you want to take a guess as to which one? Oh. year of wonders no. Oh. Element OP. Oh, yes. Yeah, because yes. The, how they kept waiting for the different letters to yes. disappear. And you kept wondering, oh, of how is that going to... Of course. Yeah. 
it really reminded me of that, except yeah. for in a completely different way. It's yeah, such a totally it's not different amusing book. And, yeah. No, it's not amusing. <laughs> yeah. But just that little part of it. Yes, you're mm. totally right. And again, I've said this before on the podcast, the whole idea of an island as mm. well. Yes. Islands feature very much so in these sorts of books, don't they? They're they're isolated and they're separate and they can be their own thing because they're just this insular little thing floating in the middle of whatever. That's right. And I guess once fairies disappear, they've got to stay there. They yeah. can't go anywhere That's anymore. Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess it adds to the eerie, creeping. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so this was written in 1994, which both of us didn't realise, as we just said, we didn't realise until afterwards. Mm. And I wonder how much that time period influenced this as well. Um, if you think, if you cast your mind back to 1994, all those years ago, ordinary things were starting to disappear mm. in our lives as well. Um, things like payphones, video cassettes, typewriters, I mean, let alone the stuff that's disappeared since <laughs> the 90s. I mean, it's really ramped up, you know, the last 20 years. Um, but along with this, along with those tangible things that, that were starting to disappear, there's the intangible things that were starting to disappear. Um, and whenever things start to change like that, there's always this mood in, the, in society, I guess, that um, people are concerned about... Um, Something to dis something disappearing. How it's going to impact us and our lives. So, you know, connection to each other, a feeling of belonging. Um, the people in the book are questioning to begin with, but they very quickly adapt to whatever's been lost and they move on very mm. quickly. Um, and that's obviously so apparent once they lose body parts, for goodness' sake. And I'm wondering if um, the time in our lives or the time in society in the world, I guess. Influence how she wrote that you know was is this a social commentary of, mm. of the 90s maybe when we were starting to lose things and um the internet was kind of just sort of ramping up and there was concern you know, are we going to forget how to talk to people because right. everyone's going to email each other now you know if we can't talk on the payphone anymore then you know how are we going to stay connected obviously that didn't eventuate mm. but there was that fear yeah lots of that sort of talk and mm. Mm, yeah like you're f you're hitting them out of the park today, Jane. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that it was an unnamed writer, um, an unnamed island, um, the unnamed old man? Mm -hmm. There were v very few characters who had names. Uh, the editor was only R. Yes. Um, there was a family who I didn't um, talk about in the in the sort of recap of it. Yeah. But the, there, there's a family who disappears. Um, they're called the Inu Inui family, um, and then the dog. Yeah. But people who have names are relatively minor characters, and um, yeah, yeah. I wondered for a little while there, but until we named she named the dog, I had wondered if names had been disappeared. Oh. Um. Because she referred to people like the hat maker, referred to them as what they did or some physical appearance mm. about them or whatever. Mm. Um, that's where I kind of went with that. But then the dog got named, so I'm not quite sure mm. where I went, went then with that train of thought. Yeah. What did you think? I don't know. I was mm. – there was a lot of – this book left me with a lot of questions. You do – this is not one – 
that ties anything up. You find nothing out almost really. You yep. don't know why the memory police are there. You don't know who's controlling anything. You don't know what happens to anyone that's taken away. You find out nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't know who decides on what things are disappearing. Or if even there is someone deciding. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no answers to anything. Even mm. at the end, there's nothing. That's right. She's just a voice and then R goes up the ladder. And that's and it. And that's it. Yeah. Normally I would hate that, mm. but I it felt fitting. Okay. What did you think of that? I didn't hate it, but yeah, it just really, I was really confused um, about all those things you just said and also think practical things. Like mm. maybe I was just being too pedantic about this. Like I think I should I should accept this more as like a fable. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I, f- I feel like it's an allegory, but I don't really know mm-hmm. of what. Yeah. I mean, like you've shed a lot of light on things. I feel like I like it a bit better now that you've said <laughs> the things that you've said about it because I was just really com- confused about things like, um, after the novels disappear. Well, yeah. first of all, I didn't understand like if if things disappeared and she had written about them in the novel. The novel still exists. So that's right. What happens with that? Yeah, it but, still exists as a story. It's mm, still there, right? Yeah. And but more than that is that she struggled to write even just a few words together yes. after the novels mm. disappear and yet somehow she was able to finish her short story yeah. even though at one point she couldn't even remember what a typist um th- that she had written a story about a typist yeah. she could barely reread her own manuscript yeah. because she just couldn't see the point in it mm. so how then she was able to finish the story yeah. i found um very confusing but i think i just have to not get so caught up in the yeah. in the the intricacies yeah. of, of something that How might not and have why. yeah mm. um just going back to when it was written i was so surprised that it was written in 1994 i was really surprised um it feels so current to me uh. still um many of the themes in the books we're seeing now in in our society and around the world now um, particularly with COVID restrictions um, in a time when governments are so much more involved in our lives than what they normally would be with what we can and can't do and where we can and can't go. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Um, it's The government are impacting our usual routines and how we move through our, our communities more than I've ever experienced in my lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, there's the rise of extreme governments with more authoritarian style of... Um, leadership over the last five years ish Mm. um and people are being quietly complicit yeah a lot of the time yeah um or they're not or they don't have the capacity or ability to question things and i I that's why it felt so new to me and relevant yeah Yeah. Mm. it's um yeah it just seemed like the whole town was like oh okay well my leg's gone now so i'll just drag myself around (laughs) with my arms to work you know (laughs) yes so it, you know, even the dog left lost its leg. Yes, as well. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, how is this happening? That's yeah. right. Mm. That's exactly. So yeah, that's why. I, I, yeah. Again, I was so surprised that it was written so long ago. Mm. Yeah. Um, it reminded me that I generally 
struggle with books that incorporate magical realism. Yeah. It's the reason why I feel like I can't get into Salman Rushdie. Like I was telling mm. Jane earlier, I started to read Kishot, which is his um, book that he, it's a contemporary book, a reworking of Don yeah. Quixote. And the, but the magic, when it gets to the magical realism, I just, uh, I, I can't make my brain accept it somehow yeah. and I, I struggle I quite like those elements in books um it gives a fairy tale quality mm. to books sometimes which I really like yeah but it has to fit mm. within the thing and too much of it is ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah. no it definitely fit here when you I would say so say. and it's used sparingly in a lot of in a in a way I guess right. as well yeah. yeah I thought it was really interesting one thing that I found on a book club um um, chat about this book was that somebody said um, when they were talking about the story within the story and oh, why yeah. she chose to tell that story and yeah. all of that and um, somebody suggested that the story within the story is the real story oh, of the narrator no. and she was writing the other story oh, <laughs> that's like inception <laughs> level inception. <laughs> wow <laughs> I wish you hadn't said that because that's confusing now. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> I don't actually think that that's um, the case, but I just thought it was an interesting... I mean, how great that a, a book brings up that sort of quest. I like that. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. really good. Um, I don't like a stressful book. Even though I really like speculative fiction and dystopian novels, um, they are stressful to mm, read. Yeah. This is not stressful. Um, the mundane, ordinary parts of life go on in this book. Um Something disappears, but the shopping continues and the gardening <laughs> continues, the shopping, yeah. continues and the cooking and um, the birthday parties and all mm. of these sorts of things continue on. Um, people aren't being shot in the street. There's no violence, um, like physical violence mm. in this book, um, which was a really nice um, contrast to some of the dystopian novels that I've read before. It, it was so beautifully written. It really was, yeah. Um, and it was just lovely is not the right word at all, mm. but it was it was so enjoyable to be a part of while I read it. Mm. Well, you know, when you were saying before about how most um, American or Western mm. dystopian fictions um, are different from this, is it yeah. because usually the protagonist is like fighting against the totalitarian regime? And yeah, probably it's it's probably yeah. This this you know she's fairly complicit mm. and going along with it as well even though she's yeah. hiding someone it you know she's still going along with it yeah it reminded me slightly of the hands handmaid's tale in that it was just this is how it is now and this is how we live our right. lives um and the same number of answers that you get really this you know well even less than this really you, yeah you know nothing mm. about anything yeah and it makes less sense whereas margaret atwood's book you could see all of that happening yeah. and yeah oh, for sure yeah yeah did you enjoy it <sighs> I, I enjoyed the writing as you say mm -hmm. it was um it was easy to read but in the end I just it it, it evoked too many questions for me mm -hmm. in a way that I just found confusing yeah how about you um I really enjoyed enjoyed it a lot um the questions didn't bother me like it normally would mm. um 
I'm, I haven't finished this thinking, oh, I wish there was a book two that no. described everything, like the yeah. Testaments does for oh, right. Handmaid's Tale, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm okay with the questions and the weird ending. Right. <laughs> it's funny, two <laughs> other of our staff members also read this book this month, and I'm in the mm. minority because they both really liked it. Well, there is a third that started it and just couldn't. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 So. I would, uh, yeah, I am happy I finished it. I don't think I would abandon it. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, it wasn't my favourite one. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, I haven't read anything else this month, but you have read something. I have read two things, and I'm only going to talk about one because I'll explain why after. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the books was um, Nothing Can Hurt You by Nicola May Goldberg, which was a book that you mentioned last month mm-hmm. um, that you described as The Virgin Suicides Meets Little Fires yes. Everywhere. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> for me. Um, it explores the aftermath of the death of a college student who is murdered by her boyfriend, who is an acquitted after pleading temporary insanity. And it was inspired by a true story. So I thought, yep, definitely write up. Ticks all of those boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And I did um, enjoy the book. The writing was extremely readable and it made me think of the saying, um, easy reading is damn hard writing. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But yeah, it's the sort of book where you feel like, I could write this book. But no, you can't (laughs) because you haven't. And she did. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I don't think I've ever read a book that was told entirely from the points of view of different characters. So each chapter is a different character and then you never go back to that character again. So they're almost like little vignettes, um, but they all connect together. Um, And I would imagine that it would be difficult as a writer to move the plot forward um, in in this with this technique. You'd feel like there's so much background plot Mm. happening parallel to everyone's point of view she does it she pulls it off wow yeah yeah she really she really does it i found it to be a refreshingly different approach to Mm. um sort of a uh, well it's not true crime but to um sort of a thriller um but what i do think this book suffers from is being labeled a thriller it's not a thriller it's not thrilling you know, because there's no oh, who done it. There's yeah. nothing. There are no twists. I mean, I think they marketed this as the next Gone Girl. And oh, did if, they? Yeah. Oh. And if you go into this thinking Gone Girl, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Mm. Um, yeah, there were no thrilling plot twists. And um, if, when I got to the final, I noticed that the final chapter was from Sarah, who is the murdered girl. It's mm-hmm. from her point of view. And yeah. so I was expecting this big twist there. And and that doesn't happen. So yeah. I would say um, definitely a good read, um, but just go into it thinking more of a like general fiction yeah. um, and not expecting a big. I still think I'd really like that. Yeah. 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 It's well done. It's on my list still. Yeah. My long, long list. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You should see my my bedside table oh. is just this big pile of books. I know, books. it's stressful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to them, but it's just not enough time. I know. <laughs> now, do you want to talk about your other thing or shall I move on? You, you I've got some things, but you, yeah, you go. Do you want to do new books now? Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so there's quite a bit. We're getting to the pointy end of the year now, so we'll start seeing lots of stuff getting published and also um, 
people may have noticed that um, highly anticipated novels that were due to be published earlier in the year, they've been pushed back. So even some things that are getting published sort of now are getting pushed back again. So um, assuming that they publish things in the sort of October, November December period, we're going to see a lot of um, a lot coming out the mm. next few months, which is yep. great. Yeah, um, just a few things I just picked out of um, out randomly from um, the new release sort of folder in my emails. Um, Bloomsbury have got a book called Nodding Off coming out in September. Um, sleep is a really there's lot there's lots of books about sleep at the moment, mm. and um, they're a bit of a hot topic, I guess. I've not read any of them. Mm. Um, but this one's come out by Alice Gregory um, and it's talking about sleeping, um, lifting the lid on this mysterious pastime, <laughs> examines all of our big sleep secrets. Um, Professor Gregory provides solutions for some of the common sleep problems that people suffer throughout their lives. So this is another option, I guess, if you're into knowing how to sleep better. Mm, yeah, if you're struggling. Yeah. Mm. Um, Maggie Dent, have you heard of Maggie Dent? Yes. She has a new book um, out this month from Pan Macmillan. It's called From Boys to Men, Empowering Parents with Insights, Tips and Common Sense Approach to Help All Boys and Their Families Thrive as They Progress Through Adolescence, Offering Hope for a Future of Adventure, Stability, Engagement and Connection, mm. which sounds great. It does. Um, she Maggie's been around forever. She's been a teacher, a counsellor. She's worked in palliative care, funeral services, suicide prevention, and she's written tons of books. Um, she's an advocate for healthy common sense um, raising of children mm. in order to strengthen families and she writes a lot about boys so um, that looks quite good. Do you listen to How I Build This on – it's an NPR podcast. No, but I have heard of it. Uh, it's one of my favourite podcasts oh, wow. which sounds strange because it's all about um, entrepreneurs and businesses and basically how they built their business. Um, it's by um, – the host is Guy Roz. He's on heaps of NPR podcasts. Right. So he's got a book out. Um, so it's based on the podcast. It's a manual for success, offering priceless insights and inspiration to the world's top, from the top entrepreneurs, how to start, how to launch and how to build a successful business. Um, I listen to it and I generally listen to the, the female contributors um, to the on the podcast list. It's really interesting seeing how people develop an idea. It's very inspirational. Mm. Even if you're not into or wanting your own business, it's really interesting from a resilience point of view. Um, I really like the podcast. And speaking of resilience, Turia Pitt has got a oh. new book coming out this month. Wow. Um, do you know Turia yep. Pitt? Yeah. So she's the one that got caught in the grass fire um, in 2011, running a 100-kilometre ultra marathon which oh, just gosh. that alone sounds horrible <laughs> um so she suffered from full thickness burns to 65 percent of her body um but now she is a speaker um she's written lots of books she's won um two ironman competitions she's a humanitarian she's raised millions of dollars for not for profit um organizations uh she's got a new book out called happiness um she dives into um, interviewing high-profile athletes, comedians, scientists and world expert, experts on exploring how everything from money to our relationships has an impact on how happy we could be mm. or, or are. So um, if you're after a bit of a pick-me-up inspirational book, that's that's coming out. 
Um, and Nick Hornby's got a book coming out. You know Nick Hornby? Yes. Written High, Fidel- High Fidelity About a Boy, Fever Pitch. Yeah. Sold squillions of books. Um, this is a book called Just Like You, um, a brutally funny novel about finding love where you least expect it. Um, brilliantly observed, tender but also brutally funny new novel gets to the heart of what it means to fall surprisingly and headlong into love with the best possible person someone who's not like you at all oh so that kind of sounds kind of sweet and yeah. cute and funny and it does nick hornby-ish <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's coming out keep your eye out for any of those if they sound interesting right well i have a few things to add to that um the 29th of september is going to be a big day for australian fiction because Trent Dalton has All Our Shimmering Skies. Mm -hmm. Um, Craig Sylvie, who wrote Jasper Jones, has a book called Honey Bee. Mm -hmm. And Richard Flanagan um, has a book called The Living Sea of Waking Dreams that are all out on that day. Yeah, and um, Trent Dalton's one was pushed. That was one of the ones that's been pushed back for publication. So there's lots of anticipation around that book. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention that. Um, the producers of The Babadook, I know you, you don't like scary movies, no. right? So you probably didn't watch that one. No, of course okay, not. I love scary movies. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked The Babadook and It Follows, which, wow, that freaked me right out. I loved that. Um, so the producers of those two movies are teaming up to do a feature adaptation of a book called Small Spaces, which is a young adult novel by an Australian author called Sarah Epstein. So that sounds, it's a creepy, it's a, it's actually teen fiction mm-hmm. um, about this imaginary friend um, who apparently lures this girl away from a fair one day and then she's missing for a week and then comes back and she's mute. Um, anyway, it sounds super creepy and spooky and scary and I thought that um, sounded <laughs> cool. <laughs> and... Um, do you ever have somebody mention a novel to you and then, like, you keep hearing about it and hearing yes. about it? Yeah. Yes. Have you heard of a debut novel called A Lonely Girl is a Dangerous Thing? Yes. 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 Everywhere. I keep yeah. seeing it everywhere. I don't really know much about it, except for that it's by uh, an author called Jesse Tu, who's yeah. Australian, um, Asian-Australian, and people are raving about it. Yeah, I'm seeing that all over the place. Yeah. It's on lots of lists, and it's on Instagram. And it's got a cool it's getting, cover. Yeah, it's getting talked about a lot, that book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great. So, thought I mentioned that. Fabulous. Yeah. Now, do we want to talk about our October book? Yes. Do you have, or did you have something else? No. 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 Okay. Go for it. All right. I'm so excited about this book. <laughs> Me too. Full disclosure: I've read it. I read it already. I read it this month. That was the second book that I read that I said I wasn't going to talk about it yet, because I'm talking about it now. Um, and I like, I loved it so much that I convinced Jane to. <laughs> <laughs> make it our next podcast book. Um, it is a 2016 book, but I thought um, it's going to be relevant because uh, Netflix has made it into a movie. Charlie Kaufman, who did um, er, Being John Malkovich adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I loved all those movies. He has um, done this movie for Netflix. Um, So I'm super, super excited about it. And I've got a little blurb. Shall I read it? Go for it. Okay. This is from Goodreads, actually. You'll be scared, but you won't know why. I'm thinking of ending things. Once this thought arrives, it stays. It sticks. It lingers. It's always there. Always. 
Jake once said, sometimes a thought is closer to truth, to reality, than an action. You can say anything, you can do anything, but you can't fake a thought. And here's what I'm thinking. I don't want to be here. In this deeply suspenseful and irresistibly unnerving debut novel, a man and his girlfriend are on their way to a secluded farm. When the two take an unexpected detour, she is left stranded in a deserted high school, wondering if there is any escape at all. What follows is a twisted unraveling that will haunt you long after the last page is turned. Did I even say what it's called? No. It's called... (laughs) It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. Did I? I did. Okay. All right. Well, if I didn't, there it is. (laughs) Canadian author from Ontario, which is where I'm from. But that's not why I picked it. I picked it because it's brilliant. (laughs) Um, This is clearly not my usual thing. um, But I'm actually generally, genuinely excited about this book. I read the first um, few pages. You can, you know, online you can read the first little bit. Yeah. As Paula was trying to talk me into it, she said, (laughs) have a look, have a look. So I read the first bit. And I... Couldn't stop thinking about the rest of that day. Oh, I really? I desperately wished that I had the book to keep reading. I told Jane I read it in one night. I just gobbled that was it the down. Thing that, that was the, the clincher, wasn't it? I was like, <laughs> all right, it'll be quick. Good. <laughs> Tony Collette is going to be um, in this movie, among other Fabulous. people. Fabulous. I love Tony Collette. I know, me too. So get online. It's on Libby. You can get it um, digitally or um, there's copies in the system. So reserve and start reading. Don't forget to join our Facebook group. Um, There's a Facebook group, Literary Anything. Send us a, a membership request and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast. See you next month. See ya. Okay, I can't hear anything. Oh, really? No. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Is there a switch on these? There's no on-off on the actual... No. I'll maybe talk into... The, oh, no, because I normally hear myself. Do I hear myself? Yeah, you hear yeah. both. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Is this in? Oh, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Plug it in.